a bit of a theme running through my talks at the moment I was reflecting on, which is to do with relationships. Um, I was searching for a, a topic tonight and um, looked in the library there and there was a book uh, by a woman called Diane Hem Hamilton, who I've heard of before but I've never met, who wrote a book on a Zen approach to conflict resolution. And um, I just outline some of the points she made about it, which I think are quite quite useful. Um, she talked about uh, how we can um, speak in the first person, or we can be in the second person or the third person. What she means by that is um, being in the first person is speaking for yourself, um, where you express what your feelings are or your thoughts or your views are about something. And um, as she says, even as a Zen teacher and as I would concur, um, that's, you need a healthy ego to do that, right? Um, you need a, a, a sense of self that this is my experience, these are my feelings, these are my thoughts, and you have way of, a way of expressing them clearly. That's just a healthy thing to do. Um, so it's useful to be able to develop that capacity to do that. And in conflict resolution to develop the capacity to, to do that. The second point, the, the second um, person is the art of um, the art of listening <laughs> and um, again it's another skill that we need you know to navigate our way through relationships and also obviously involved in, in conflict resolution and so listening to the art of listening is to be able to forget the self and just hear exactly what another person is saying to you. Not only what they're saying, but how they're saying it. It's a, a little, um, a little um, uh, teaching we have in um, some forms of psychotherapy is that don't just listen to the story, but listen to the storyteller. Mm -hmm. So it's how the person says it. And um, to be to really listen, which is such a, a, a incredible skill, um, is in some ways born out of meditation because it's forgetting the self, just being willing to be able to just be fully there, hundred percent absorbing another person's perspective. Mm -hmm. So a, a great skill to develop, and it can develop through meditation. So there needs to be a. Uh, an empathy that comes with it. So you kind of, it's that willingness to open up into empathising with another person's view. And, and empathising with, with another person's view is not necessarily mean that you agree with them. Right? It's not what it is. People often confuse those things together. It's not necessarily to agree. It's just to be able to understand how that person sees the world. And then the third Person, what they mean by the third person, if if first and second person is I, and second person is you, then third person is it, mm -hmm. and um, the third person, or well, looking at things from the third person's point of view, is what 
they use that term um, with science, for instance, being empirical and just having an objective view of what is as much as you possibly can, or to be the the, the approach that a, um, a judge in a court of law would be trying to take or an accountant would be trying to take when they're trying to assess things. They're trying to see as objectively as they can what's actually there. Mm-hmm. And that's another perspective which is useful um, in the process of conflict resolution between people. But then there's another perspective, which is a Zen perspective, which is kind of like the third person perspective, but taking a bit bit further and looking at it from the point of view of emptiness. And when when you look at life from the point of view of emptiness, is that you're not projecting... Um, values um, or views on things themselves. You know, you realise that they're all they're all just um, good and bad and so on, right and wrong. Are all just concepts you're actually projecting onto what is. And so, through Zen practice, when you abide in that kind of non-conceptual way of being, you know, hour after hour of meditation in your everyday life. Um, Opinions just don't seem very true anymore. They don't seem so solid anymore because opinions are just, they're kind of just fluff in the relative world, you know, that blow around. But when we're very strong-minded at something, we can attach to opinions as though they're they're right, right? And, and we're locked into them. Um, but that's one of the things that happens, as I was mentioning during the meditation, is that opinions just become energy that comes and goes, that you don't necessarily have to attach to or cling to um, or take so seriously. Now, what was also interesting, this book that I just accidentally stumbled upon, is that uh, she, Diane Hamilton was a student of um, Genpo Roshi, who was a Dharma brother of Joko, my teacher, who I met once or twice. And he was very well known for developing uh, a teaching of big mind. Um, I I was unaware of this story, but Diane mentions how she had a falling out with her teacher. So here is a teacher who taught her about emptiness and big mind, and yet both of them get into this conflict, (laughs) right? And um, she ends up leaving, you know, and then she talks about it. Now, um, some of you would know, um, but um, reading this um, had so much resonance with my relationship with my teacher, Robert Aitken, who I left years ago. So here again, here's a teacher that you've got a a very strong commitment to and bond both ways, and he's teaching about emptiness, and you get into a conflict with one another to the degree that in my my um, my experience to our left, so it's kind of like a divorce. So it was amazing to come across um, Diane's story, which was exactly the same. The sort of the the paradox of it and the, the humour of it in a way. And um, and what she said, which parallels my own experience, and it was it was so nice to see it, her putting it in words too, is that even though it happened. Um, when you look at it through the lens of emptiness and perhaps you've got a little bit more um, time has passed, 
kind of look, you look back on it and you think, what was that all about? <laughs> what was it all about? Do you know, and, and all you can come back to, the words I've used myself even before reading her account, it's kind of like, it just happened. Mm-hmm. And who can say who was right and who was wrong and who cares who was right or wrong? It kind of it just happened. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a kind of spaciousness around it. Now, you still, in my case, I would still make the same decision probably. And in Diane's position, it sounds like she would still make the same decision. Um, and yet, you're dwelling, you are, you do dwell in this kind of empty place as you practice for so many years. And it's like the right and wrong of it um, just seems rather thin and flimsy, and there's nothing that you can hold on to. She also used a a lovely metaphor, too, in describing what the experience of dwelling in emptiness is like. She said it's like free-falling out of a plane, and just free-falling through the air. But the good thing she said, there's no ground underneath. (laughs) (laughs) So to to be in that empty place is to just be like free-falling through space, but there's no ground underneath, and you're just free-falling and free-falling until you become comfortable in the free-falling rather than gripping and tensing and holding on. And if you go back to that koan, which I've mentioned a few times in Dharma talks about um, uh, you who sit on the top of a hundred-foot pole, take a step in the ten directions, show your body in the ten directions. Um, Well, when you take that final leap into emptiness, it is, it's just you leaping into a constant free-fall in your life with no ground mm-hmm. and you just become more more comfortable in that, that place. It's kind of like you're not in control of anything, you don't know anything and that, that's okay. And if we can eventually, maybe not in the heat of the moment, but we come back to look at relationships that have broken up in our life, you know, through conflict, divorces, you know, conflicts with friends, conflict with family and so on is that if we can see it from that, that empty perspective, um, then it, it does soften. There is, and there's a, there's a healing in that softening. It's just, it just happened. And who knows who's right and who knows who's wrong. Mm-hmm. So, take it, they're, they're useful things to take into our own life because we, we need to, as she says, um, welcome conflict um, rather than have an aversion to it because conflict just exists. Um, you have people living together, there will always be conflict of one kind or another as people negotiate what their own needs are. But one, it is, it is a useful skill to be able to speak up and speak for, you know, for what you need and what you feel. It's also a good skill to be able to forget the self and just listen it's a good skill to be able, as much as you, as you can, as try and get past that you and me perspective into an impartial, uh, kind of um, empirical, fact-based way of looking at it. And it's important, above all, just to let go of all of the conceptual um, polarity and so on that we bring to those situations. 
Um, so there's some kind of, not just indifference, factual indifference to it, but a kind of healing that's involved in it as well. Now if we can do that in the midst of conflict, that would be amazing, right? Um, if we can at least do it after the fact of conflict, mm -hmm. uh, that's a pretty good thing too.